Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Alex McLaren. I'm an actor, and I've worked as a communications coach since 2002. Now so much business is being conducted remotely, the ways in which we talk, present, build relationships and connect is changing. In this podcast, I want to explore all those issues and prove to you that no matter who you are, you can talk to anyone. Hello and welcome to You Can Talk to Anyone, the podcast where we open the bonnet on our communications engine. I'm Alex McLaren. And I'm Tom Selinski. And it's been a few weeks since we've done any recording, so thank you for hopping back in with us. Um, we've had various things coming up to the summer holidays, so there may be a few gaps over the next few weeks, but we'll be, uh, we'll be regular all the way through the autumn. Um, and this week, Tom, I wanted to talk about questions. Yes. Um, so <laughs> this is slightly inspired um, by a whole load of things that were floating around in my brain. It kind of began last summer when um, I, in the middle of lockdown, I rediscovered reading fiction. And I worked my way through every single one of the Aubrey and Maturin novels. Have you ever have you come across these? <laughs> oh, Okay, so they are. <laughs> Aubrey is a sea captain in Nelson's Navy, and Maturin is uh, the ship's surgeon. And you can see these characters in a movie with um, Russell Crowe as Captain Aubrey. And Maturin oh, yes. yeah, yeah. is played Master by and Commander. Uh, Master and Commander, yeah. Who's, now, who's Maturin in that movie? He's the guy who is the voice of, uh, of the robot in Iron Man. Um, and uh, he's in various Marvel movies as well. Uh, but basically, the, there's, uh, they are early 19th century men in an all-male environment. Um, and there's a very funny moment when uh, the surgeon uh, says, uh, question and answer is not a civilized form of conversation. <laughs> and, and this is something that comes up a number of times in the novel. And when I read this, I just thought this is absolutely fascinating. What kind of world do they live in, in which you are expected to learn things about the people that you are living with, but, uh, but a gentleman would not ask a direct question of another gentleman. And it made me think about questions full stop. In the training world that we're part of, it's much easier to find out what people uh, want of you if they ask you directly. So of course, I love questions yeah. um, at work. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and obviously the questions that we ask also teach people other stuff about the sort of the gaps. So in, in a learning environment, I think questions are really important. There's a distinction which people often make between open and closed questions. Mm. A closed question is one that has a kind of binary answer, up, mm. down, left, right, yes, no. And an open question is one which in, invites a more discursive answer. But I was doing some work recently with a group who were running their own facilitation sessions. Mm. And one of the things we were looking at is if you have six people sitting around a table and you're trying to get them all to contribute yeah. and you have one or two who are dominating and one or two who are holding back, what can you do to draw out the ones 
who are feeling a bit shyer, a bit more anxious. And I don't think asking that kind of person an open question is terribly helpful. I think it can be very intimidating. It's funny, I was just, uh, when I was kind of thinking about uh, what, what other people, um, uh, what, what other people's positions are about this, I, I kind of, I did a little bit of light Googling and there, <laughs> it's just fascinating to find what random stuff is on the internet <laughs> about how to make friends with people. And one of the things that people suggested was that you say to somebody, tell me about yourself. <laughs> now, and I, and I, I literally, I tried to, I don't try to remember first if anybody has ever asked me, has ever, ever said that to me, because it isn't actually a question. It's an imperative. Yeah. Um, and secondly, what would I do? If, or how would I feel if someone were to put that to me it's in a so conversation? It's, it's incredibly broad. It's like, and the question, the obvious question is, well, where do I start? Um, and secondly, it makes me think, oh God, it makes me feel sort of marginally vulnerable. Because um, although they are, in a way, uh, making it uh, as, as open as possible, I, mean, I could go where I wanted, I think what they're also doing, in a way, is they're, they're not telling me what they want to know. So no. in some ways, it's kind of holding things back. And it made me think a little bit about, the, about the, why this is such a big, question, a big, big issue for our clients, is that I think it's about the, the vulnerability um, and the uh, and, and, and privacy in sort of commercial situations. I remember when I was when we were first doing face to face sessions with people, and I remember I was doing a, a session with a group of people from a um, an organisation, and there was one bloke who was who was really struggling with motivating the people he was working with and one and when we got down to it we realized that it was because he was a uh, he he didn't really give anything away he, he he held back any information about what he wanted or needed out of his interactions with other people and i think it went back to the fact that he was a buyer and he did not want to be open to manipulation by other people's sales processes um, uh, and and that I think that defensiveness meant that he wasn't really giving anything away, and he wasn't really inviting input from other people, and he didn't really ask many questions at all, uh, and certainly didn't respond to them. And it's funny because in ordinary social interactions, I don't think we think about who's asking the questions and who's providing the answers. It's in very formal situations where it's one person's job to ask questions. If you are being um, examined on a witness stand. It's your job to answer. Yeah. Someone else's job to ask. If you're at a job interview, uh, until they get to, have you any questions for us? You are answering questions and someone else is asking them. But in ordinary conversation, back and forth, yeah. you don't think about it unless you realise, oh, that person hasn't asked me a thing about my uh, a thing about yeah. me. <laughs> yes, uh, we we all know somebody a bit like that, I think. Um, and and it's amazing how long that process can persist. I do sometimes wonder how they ever know anything about us. What you were saying a moment ago is really interesting. I made a little few jottings here about about circumstances in which the questions are very important and based on the different roles. Of course, one is being a witness. Um, and uh, I remember when I was first, I was in a play once when I was a teenager, in which uh, the second half of it was all set in a courtroom. And that was when I first learned that what barristers do is that they ask a question to which they 
always, if they're good at their job, know the answer. Yep. And so whether you say yes or no, they can then follow down another pathway in a tree, which will ultimately get you to either conviction or absolute <laughs> innocence, depending on whether you're <laughs> my, def- my defence uh, barrister or the prosecution barrister. And this isn't maybe terribly relevant to our listeners, but it's also worth pointing out that the other categorization of questions, as well as open and close, which people have in the back of their mind, is a leading question. Yes. And it's always assumed that a leading question is a bad thing. But a leading question is not a bad thing. A leading question is a a kind of question which is disallowed if you are examining your own witness. Mm. That's the point. If you're my witness, I'm not allowed to say, I'm not allowed to ask you, um, Alex, it's true, isn't it, that (laughs) when the crime was committed, uh, you were in your parents' home in Barnstable, uh, nowhere near, uh, and in fact, couldn't even recognize a gun if you saw one. Isn't that right? Uh, Quite right. (laughs) Because I'm doing your job for you. I'm testifying on your behalf. But when the other barrister gets up to cross-examine you, they can ask whatever they like, Mm. because there isn't any implication of collusion between the two of you. So they can say, I put it to you, Alex, uh, that... uh, the red stains on your jumper are not ketchup, as you claim, but in fact, the blood of the murdered person. Yes. And you can say, no, I deny that, but I've got my theory on the record. It's funny. I think it's such a, a, because of the power dynamic that's going on there, it's such an exciting and dynamic situation that even though very few of us have actually seen that happen for real in a, a criminal court, um, it's, uh, you may have seen it on American television. But you've seen it on television. Yes, of course. Yes, In fact, some court cases, yeah, yeah. Including most recently, yeah, the yeah, awful sure. Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Uh, and of course, yes. they're much less dramatic than they are when they're fictionalised. Yes. But uh, yes, Americans have this... Uh, Charming habit of inviting cameras in absolutely everywhere. <laughs> in every situation. Uh, but, but you will have seen it in, in a very intense, dramatised environment yes. in, uh, in, in, in t- TV fiction. Can you handle film. the truth, Alex? I, guess, I, I certainly can handle the truth. I'm, I'm very interested in it, which is why we're here. <laughs> no, no, in fact, I'll tell you what, I've not seen that movie. It's sitting what? in my no, it's sitting in my list. A few good men, ladies and gentlemen. Famous quote, uh, which has clearly escaped from the film itself and is in... Uh, is oh, in, dear is God, in it's very oh, good. Based on a play. I can believe it. This is Sorkin, right? Yes. Okay. Promise to watch it uh, in the summer holidays. Um, and, but because we've seen it in that situation and we're just very conscious that characters can crumple or be very vulnerable in that situation, I think that's taught people to be – that's one of the reasons why people are wary about questions from strangers. Um, and another situation where I think we we are kind of just conscious of questions having a very specific um, – a power dynamic is journalists asking people questions. Um, you know, we, if you're talking to your local reporter, you know, they will ask somebody who isn't used to being a spokesperson on behalf of something. So would you say you were heartbroken? And you go, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you say, I'm heartbroken, yes. says Tom Selinsky of the Spontaneity Shop. Um, you didn't utter those words, but there is a sort of conventional, or maybe even it's a, a, a it's legal right for you to basically say, if you say yes to this paragraph, I can then put this paragraph in inverted commas. And uh, I'm literally putting the words in your mouth. And the other place I think where we're also very aware of it being a sort of a, almost like a battle is listening to the Today programme or listening Mm. to politicians being interrogated on the news. 
journalists would ask a politician a question, you know, would you say this? And they say, I, I, I won't be speculating about this, but I will say. And then they simply use the <laughs> yes. airtime to spout their, you know, <laughs> take back control or whatever the particular slogan is that yep. some uh, election campaigner has told them needs to be repeated a million times a day in order to cut through to every single voter on every new situation. And so we're very used to hearing questions being asked, which are then absolutely not answered. Um, and then once that happens, it then leads to this, this spiral between, uh, we, we know that that's what, a, you know, who was it who said that, uh, uh, I think it was Paxman. So he was always asking questions which he designed to, to, to winkle out um, vulnerability. He said the, the question that all journalists should be asking is why is this lying bastard lying to yes. me of every politician? Um, and, and then once we're used to that, then that becomes a sort of what every every journalist is trying to do. They go in assuming that they're going to that their, their questions are going to be ignored, and they're looking for ways of interrupting that comfortable uh, relationship. But I think that this the, the in, at work, then, it's that we are kind of in those roles. It's not just getting to know strangers. And so I think that makes us slightly more sensitive about both the questions we ask and, and how we answer them. We're just slightly more uncomfortable with it. And we can feel sometimes as if we're in that role of the, the interrogator, the mm. accuser, the combative Paxman-like interviewer or the crusading barrister. And it's not a comfortable position to be in because mm. now we're exercising power over someone else. If yeah. I ask you the right questions, I can get you to say the thing that you don't want to say. Mm. And, of course, some people are going to be giddy with that kind of power, but a lot of people, I think, are going to feel grubby and feel very unhappy with themselves if they're put yeah. in that position. If they're manipulated. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. The, or if, they're the, if they are the manipulator. Or if they're manipulator, yeah. I mean, something, I think people sometimes ask us, what are good questions to ask? And, of course, the... the what I think what really is behind that is what is a good relationship to build with people because the uh, under those circumstances you might think well here is a person who is sensitive about this particular dynamic within their team or this particular element of their company's vulnerability and so they may not wish to be uh, have you know sort of breezy questions being asked particularly in front of this dozen other people um, and so it's not simply a matter of the question it's a matter of the relationship and that is it's so uh, so variable if you're trying to get to know somebody i would say if the person you're talking to is somebody who is a bit uncertain, a bit anxious, needs to be drawn out a bit, then starting off with simple, factual questions, which they are definitely going to know the answer, to which you can have a reaction, mm. is going to be a great way of getting going. But I think what you want to end up with, and with some people you can get there straight away, ask them a question which invites them to tell you a story. Mm. And then you'll really start getting to know them. And it can be better if it's a story that you've told before, uh, so uh, how did you and your partner meet? Mm -hmm. Everybody has a story about that yeah. and everybody would have told it before. We'll be, we'll be happy to tell it to you again. Yes, it's a, I think that, that that business of people sort of comfortably sharing things, particularly stuff which is, I, I always think that uh, talking about work in a networking situation is a terrible scenario. <laughs> yes. Whereas uh, when, we're, when we're opening up about things which have nothing to do with work, people are finding the connections between you and me and the, the similarities and also the gaps. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I just had a, a realization over lunch that once upon a time, I was much cleverer than I am now. <laughs> Let me explain what I mean. When I was, <laughs> when I was at school, I was... Your mental decline is <laughs> obvious to me. obvious right? to anyone who's known me for a long time. Um, no, but when I was a, a kid... Um, I was very well read for my age because we had no TV. And so I was always in the school quiz team and I had lots of good general knowledge. Um, and, um, and I suppose also when I was a kid, I was quite keen to let people know how clever I was. I am absolutely not keen to let people know that at all. And in fact, which I, is I, why you do a podcast every is, week, full of your great big important ideas about how people should behave. <laughs> no, 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 honestly, I think I'm learning far more out of this process than any of our listeners. But the, no, I, I think that. So, for example, if I um, if there's something that I've forgotten, like who, I mean, again, this wasn't even it wasn't strategic at all. I've forgotten who plays Stephen Maturin in the uh, Master and Commander films. Um, but uh, if I was with somebody who did remember that, then they would have the pleasure of remembering something. And then so we don't actually need to be proving to each other our expertise all of the time. I've just remembered who it is. Uh, who, all right, who is it? It's Paul Bettany. There you go, Tom, you're a genius. <laughs> uh, don't you feel good? Whereas if I told you, you wouldn't have had that pleasure. Yeah. Um, this, again, you know, like, but this can be the most basic thing, you know, like if, uh, if, I'm, if I'm talking to somebody and they're telling me about their office in the Baltics, I can say, oh my God, I've never been to that part of the world. And in fact, I can't even remember what they are. I, won't, I wouldn't then need to ask a question because then they could be the expert in the room and we would be peers having a conversation, learning from each other. And I think that that is more widespread among friends. People aren't trying to they – might, they might try and impress their friends for fun as part of a, of a teasing game, but they, they're past the stage when they need to show how – clever or important they are to each other. Do you know Richard Feynman's story about asking stupid questions? Uh, no, I don't. Fire away. Uh, so this is one of the stories that Richard Feynman likes to tell about how brilliant Richard Feynman is, uh, which he's so charming, it's impossible to be offended. Yeah. But uh, he was at Los Alamos, and while they were working on the bomb, mm. another team was simultaneously figuring out, well, what are civilian uses for mm. nuclear yeah. fusion and nuclear fission more exactly? And so he was shown the plans for one of the first nuclear fission reactors that was that had ever been built. And he's not an engineer, he's a physicist. So he's never seen this kind of engineering plan before. He doesn't really know what he's looking at. Mm. But they're treating him with all of this expertise. They're raising his status. And he's staring at this thing which is basically incomprehensible <laughs> uh, and then trying to figure out how to play this. 
So he thinks, well, I'll stop asking a question and sort of see where that gets me. And he says, um, uh, wh what happens if that valve fails? Hoping not to be told, sir, that is a door. <laughs> and the engineer says, oh, well, if that valve fails, then... Ah. Oh. Well, if, if that... If, if, if that valve fails, then the reactor melts down. How did you do that? And he said, I was trying to figure out if it was a door or not. <laughs> yes, yes. No, and it, kind of, it was wonderful. The um, uh, Feynman was most famous, I think, probably among people who, well, for two things. One is that he was very, very clever. Uh, but the other was that he played the bongos. He was such a humble, human, very accessible communicator. And just and very that, curious about the yes, world, which meant that he had no fear of asking what somebody else might consider to be a stupid question. And also he, he, he was as interested in the person in front of him as he was in an atomic nucleus. And he, he didn't make you feel like you were just some trivial dunce where he was thinking about more abstract things. He had a genuine fascination with, uh, with people and the emotional side of the world. Yeah, it's funny that 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 thing about stupid questions is, uh, I think, really important because we there, there, of course, <laughs> there aren't any. There are only uh, the the gaps that we would be comforting and relaxing uh, to have filled. I once did. One, okay, listeners, if you've ever been, if you've ever worked with a group um, and you've had to impart any kind of knowledge, so if you've ever been a teacher or run a training session, you will know that it, you'll want to generate a conversation with people, and people will often end up asking, "So, does anybody have any questions?" I once had this amazing experience of uh, I was it was in a law firm, and I uh, I was going to go on second. And the person ahead of me was a senior lawyer who asked everybody, asked all of these juniors who I think they were people, they were students at the time, yeah, and he was uh, a partner of the firm. And he said, uh, so um, does anybody have any questions? And as I'm sure you guys will appreciate, often that means tumbleweeds roll through the room because you have a crowd of people who don't know each other, uh, will feel measured by the person at the front. Um, and so they don't want to advertise their ignorance and vulnerability by asking a question. So there's this terrible silence. Um, and I remember the guy then saying, uh, please don't worry about it. He said, I once worked with a very wise judge and he once said, and he was quite right, that there's no such thing as a stupid question. There are only stupid people. And I, <laughs> I gasped because I, I think what he meant to say, there's no such thing as a stupid question, there's only stupid answers. But he'd, he'd, he'd forgotten it. And he'd, he'd instead said it in a way which is guaranteed to make people feel even more vulnerable um, in front of the room. And, uh, and so I'm always suggesting if you're, if you're in that situation, what's important to remember is that your audience may feel very reluctant to ask questions in those circumstances, but it doesn't mean they haven't got them. So a couple of strategies to take away for the next time you're working with a crowd. You can simply start off by saying, I know you've all got millions of questions because of course they do. Uh, it's worth also remembering that that's not just a, a generous thing to say. It's true because you will not have done a perfect job. Nobody ever does. Um, uh, certainly not for every individual in the room. Um, and then you can simply say to everybody, just turn to the person next to you and for 30 seconds, just swap notes um, with about what questions you've got um, and hear what questions they've got. And then we'll um, hear the ones which people uh, find most urgent in the room. It literally adds 20, 30 seconds to the, the, the conversation time. 
but it does something really valuable for every individual. It gives them a chance to, in private with one other person, rehearse the gap in their knowledge and rehearse their questions and just find out, no, no, you're not mad. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> you weren't not listening. That is a very important question. And it just means people are much, much more confident to then uh, begin that uh, conversation with you. Because I think very often the uh, when um, when we're not asking questions it's, or, or reluctant to answer them, it's because we're defensive. Um, and all the best conversations will happen when people have put aside um, their shields and their armor and opened up to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we are um, uh, here for the summer um, and uh, available for both face-to-face -face and video conference training sessions, both with one-on-one -on -one, um, and large groups. We cover things like uh, new business pitches, better presentations, running meetings, building strong relationships with your team and with your clients. Uh, and we work with an enormous range of different businesses from small startups to huge multinationals, public sector, charity sector, and everything in between. If you have any uh, questions that you'd like us to tackle in the podcast as we run into the autumn, please do let us know straight away. We'd, uh, we'd love to, be, um, uh, we'd have to add to our list of topics, although we, honestly, we could, there are so many millions of them. But do get in touch with us on alex at the hyphen spontaneity hyphen shop.com. Or Tom and at the hyphen spontaneity hyphen shop.com. Or I'm on Twitter at Tom Selinsky. Please do do all the things that podcasts ask you to do and, uh, and like uh, and subscribe and tell all your friends about us um, and uh, tune in in future. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Bye for now. You have been listening to You Can Talk to Anyone with Alex McLaren and Tom Solinsky. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Solinsky. You Can Talk to Anyone is distributed exclusively by Acast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.